the volume. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. I bet on FanDuel as often and as comfortably as I possibly can. It is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts in as quick as two hours. So many bet types. Same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures, and so much more. If you are new... Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Got a great show lined up for you this week. Sergio Mora, he's back. Former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster. We run through all the news of the week on this podcast. A little bit later, Darren Williams, the three-time NBA All-Star. He's now a professional boxer. He takes on Frank Gore this weekend in Florida. I talked to Darren about that transition and what he hopes to get out of boxing. As always, best way to support this podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right. On to the show. All right. Are you capable of following simple instructions? Well, if I go by your text messages, I ask you, where are you? You just write two. No, I, I didn't. Said, on the second floor, no. no. And then no. you write 14. 14 what? And then you tell That's me That's not what I did number. at all. That is a complete fabrication. You said <clears throat> you got beer up here. I said, no, I'll get some. Give me two. Two, as most human uh, beings know, I, means two I minutes. I already given you the room number like five minutes ago. This is another continuation because you got into your Uber and didn't know where you were going. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted a nicer Marriott. See, I'm, I'm invested in Marriott, Mannix. I got Bomboy points. <laughs> so I, so, so I want to use my rewards and I want a better Marriott. Grand you, Hyatt. You, you telling me that you did download the Bonvoy app was the highlight of my day yesterday. <laughs> All right, he is Sergio Mora, former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster. We are in San Antonio. We'll both be calling the Gilberto ramirez Yaneski gonzalez fight on Saturday night. That is at uh, the AT&T Center where the San Antonio Spurs play their game. Sergio, I want to talk about that fight, but let's first kind of look back at what we now know about the lightweight division. For the last month, we have seen... Most of the top lightweights in action. You had Devin Haney in action. You had Vasily Lomachenko in action. You had Gervonta Davis in action. On the outskirts, you've got Ryan Garcia, 
waiting to come back early next year. Based on what you saw over the last month, which included, I should, how did I forget, George Cambosis coming up. I with was maybe, about to scold you for that one. I know. George Cambosis, maybe the upset of the year, knocking off Teofimo Lopez. As you look at the lightweight division now, who do you see as the top dog? The man that you forgot, George Cambosis Jr. That's the man. When you beat the man, you become the man in this sport. And right now, George Cambosis is not only on a world tour, but the man down under is on top of the lightweight division. And, you know, all the all the names you just mentioned, as far as Devin Haney, he had a damn good performance against a former champion and, and a hungry young fighter in Jojo Diaz. Tank Davis, even though he struggled, we've seen him vulnerable. So we know what he can do when he finally gets hit and backed up. Uh, so that was exciting to watch as well. Uh, Ryan Garcia, missing in action, but when he comes back, he's been, you know, he, he proved it before that he can come back with back-to-back first-round knockouts, get up from the canvas like Luke Campbell. So you got to believe in in what he says. When, when he says something, he's going to come back and do it. Um, so it's just an exciting exciting time. But I have Cambosis number one. Numero uno, Mannix. doesn't make any sense, though, because Cambosis. Oh, and Lomachenko. Lomachenko looked like the like he lost. He didn't lose a step. He didn't lose. He didn't lose a step. He looked, he looked like the like the punishing ballerina from Ukraine that he always is, beating the hell out of people from angles. And Comey was no joke. Comey's a strong fighter. You know, I watched that fight at the StubHub or Dignity Center, whatever it's called, in Carson, on a television, and I was just so impressed. Everyone around the bar, because we're watch, we're there watch Don't Air, but everyone around the bar was just mesmerized. With Lomachenko, the footwork, because you're not used to seeing that type of footwork. So I was one of them. And I was just in awe that he's doing this in his early 30s, and and uh, he's, he's still a top dog, yeah, too. Yeah, he's the top dog at lightweight. Just because you win one fight and collect all the titles doesn't make you the man in the division. By your logic, Alexander Usyk is the man in heavyweight. Do you believe that? No. He's got, okay, no. then what's the difference? Um, You know, that's a good point. Uh <laughs> Maybe it's just uh, the fact that he collected all the belts. Cambosis collected all the belts. Not not a unification, not two belts. The ring, the lin- the lineal championship. He the way he did it in the hometown of Teofimo Lopez at Madison it was Square impressive. Garden. I mean, everything was just there. It was aligned. It was a storybook victory. That's why he's number one. Look in this sport, it's a great one story in, in one punch, one in, in one punch can change your life in this sport. That's what makes it so beautiful. The fact you can lose and lose everything in one night, and you can gain it back in one more fight. I don't. That's look, the I don't beauty of the sport. Of that. I don't you can't do that in basketball. No, you can't do it in football. You can't do it in no other football, sport. You can kind of do it. Well, I mean, when a Super Bowl, you change everything. But yeah, I don't disagree that it was a magical moment for George Cambosis, and he should cash in on that. But. I watched Lomachenko, not just this last fight, but his previous fight against Nakatani, and every fight prior to the Teofimo Lopez fight, and he was brilliant. He was arguably, for the last few years, the top pound-for-pound guy in the sport. He has rebounded from his only loss at lightweight and won two straight. He beat up on a very good fighter, like you said, in Richard Comey. And if you were going to match Lomachenko against George Cambosis tomorrow, I mean... You and I both know we'd both pick Lomachenko to win that fight. Like, And by that standard, that's why I put Lomachenko at number one. It would be a good fight because Cambosis knows how to follow a game plan and he knows how to how to cut the distance. That's probably his best asset, the fact that he knows how to close the distance really well. You know, He's that, an excellent fighter. But, but he knows how to do it in a sneaky... Timing is probably his best asset. Timing and cutting distance. But Lomachenko is the smaller lightweight, so he's gonna. Not only is he gonna have he to cut this that on distance zone on our show earlier this week, but like I want, like, did how much small Lomachenko? Comey's a big lightweight, right? Comey's a big guy. Um, Lomachenko didn't look that small against him. You put Lomachenko and Cambosis in the ring. Yeah, Cambosis might have a couple inches on him height wise, but physically, like Lomachenko's the thicker guy in a matchup like that. No, he uh, he fills out fills out nicely, and you can see that he's been working on his shoulders. He has that man strength. Um, no, no, he's he's in excellent shape. He's he's just a a, a perfect athlete. But the height is going to be the difference. The reach will be the difference. And then you know, getting in and out, he knows how to get in and out like uh, like an expert. Loma does. But Cambosis, that's how he beat Teofimo, and and he did it with uh, with flying colors. So I think he can bring that the motivation, the momentum that he has from this fight into a fight with uh, Lomachenko and, and pass the test. Hey, look, I'd like to see Cambosis against any of these top guys. We've talked about this on a previous podcast. I think Devin Haney is the most likely next opponent because I think, A, 
Haney will eagerly go to Australia and be, I think, the package that George Kambos can get for a fight series that includes Devin Haney is going to be the most significant uh, of the bunch. Um, last weekend, we saw Dimitri Bevel in action. What the hell has happened to Dimitri Bevel? Like, Dimitri Bevel, for like three or four years, looked like a Russian Gennady Golovkin. When he was fighting on HBO, he was beating guys up. He was piecing together quality win after quality win. Even one of his first fights with Matchroom was a high-level win over Joe Smith, where he dominated Smith really from start to finish. These last couple of years, not only has Bevel been inactive, but he has been uninspiring out there, Sergio. He has been dull in the ring. His fight against Umar Solanov, that was like watching paint dry. Like, it was just painful. They looked. It looked to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, it looked to me there were multiple times that Bevel could have stepped on the gas and gotten uh, Umar out of there. He didn't do it. He settled for another lackluster decision. I'm just watching him like, what happened to the guy? What happened to the guy I saw steamrolling fighters? It's not like these opponents have gotten decidedly better. Like, he went the distance with Lennon Castillo. He went the distance with Craig Richards. Now, Solanoff. Like, what has happened to Dimitri Bevel? I'll take it back to that Joe Smith fight. You remember what happened in, uh, in that 12th round. He got rocked. He got chin-checked. He got hurt. Bevel was shook in that fight, in that last round, in the fight he was dominating. So I think that maybe, you know, rocked him a little bit where he doesn't want to get shook up like that again. You and that one punch had something to do with oh, it? Oh, well, 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 I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm trying to think why he became cautious because he's a puncher. Usually boxers like that, like myself, for instance, I went my entire career going the distance because I didn't have pop. I wasn't born with that eraser, that magic eraser. Bevo is born with brains, intelligence, knowing how to follow a game plan, the amateur background, and the power and the size. So... I just think power took a back step to him being comfortable cruising into a decision, putting it in cruise control, which is not going to get him the big money and the big fights, but he doesn't care. He, that, that's, yeah, and you know what? When, whenever it comes to fighters like that, like Dim, Demetrius Andrade's another, another one of those guys. Uh, Rigondeaux was like that for a long time. They don't care. They're, they're champions. They're making excellent money, and they're on top of their division. And certain guys don't have that, that kind of character to want more than just that. He has become one of the most irrelevant world champions that are out there. He really has. Because for a time, it was like he was this avoided guy, kind of a boogeyman in the division. Now, and we'll get to this later, you've got fighters like Gilberto Ramirez, a former 168-pound champion who's got a pretty big name, fighting at 175, fighting in a fan-friendly style, raising his hand, jumping up and down, and saying, I want to fight Dimitri Bivol. Instead... Bevel's over in Russia, fighting in front of a pretty small crowd. I watched that fight. Didn't look like there was a big crowd in that building that night. Fighting a guy in Solanov that's okay, he's fine, whatever, an okay fighter, and not showing any interest in fighting a uh, a Ramirez. Now, he did call for a unification fight against Archer Betterbiev. That's a fight I'd sign up for. But Bevel, to me, he's got to get a real fight next, sooner rather than later. These pointless fights are just wastes of time for a world champion in my mind anyway if he was taking care of business the way Golovkin was taking care of business against you know fighters that were pretty much no namers as well you know it's the way he was knocking them out that was turning heads what 20 straight knockouts or whatever it was that's what people care about it doesn't I mean yeah we care who you're knocking out as well but when he's knocking out former champions and 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 devastating body shots like he did in Macklin and that one punch knockout of uh, Nobu Ishida, I I mean that's what you remember. That's all that 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 really matters. And Dimitri Bivol, he was doing that. And you know once you start stepping up your competition, the knockout ratio is gonna diminish, but not like it's diminished for Bivol. He hasn't had a knockout in what two years, three years. I got it's. Yeah, I, I can't. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but it was before the Smith fight, probably. I, I don't know. Like it was, it's been a while. So it's been a while, but it's been a handful of fights that he has. Castillo went able the distance, Richards, and now this. It's been a few years. It's been it's been five fights around there, three years, and that that right there, considering you were steamrolling everybody, that that's a cause for concern because it has nothing to do with his power. It has everything to do with the way he's thinking about uh, executing his strategy. That's he's interesting. You really think you really think the Joe Smith 
fight had that kind of impact. Because I know what you're talking about. I think it was the 11th round. It was 11th or 12th. Yeah, 11th before. Was, yeah, and a fight that he was easily kind winning. Kind of stumbled back to the corner mm-hmm. there a little bit. The first time I've seen him rock like that. If he never got hurt in the amateurs, I can see how that that can definitely uh, have a, 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 a psychological effect on him. Because anytime you get rocked like that, you're not accustomed to it. And you're like, whoa, what was mm-hmm. that? I never want to go back there again. Oh, my God. And then you start fighting a little bit more cautious. It, it takes away from you as a fighter. A lot of things take away from you as a fighter and as a beast. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, Golden Boy made him, from what I understand, a million-dollar offer to fight Gilberto Ramirez. He needs to take it. If he can't get better BF in his next fight, he needs to be back in the U.S. fighting Ramirez and trying to build any kind of fan base, build any kind of legacy at this point because we don't need another meaningless fight uh, for Ramirez. You mentioned that you were ringside watching the Donaire fight. I love Nonito Donaire. 39 years old and still going strong. He knocks out Raymar Gabayo. That's after he knocked out another opponent to win a title a few months uh, earlier in the spring. He's won four of his last five, five fights fighting at Bantamweight, which he dropped back down to after the loss uh, to Carl Frampton. The only defeat in that mix was to one of the pound-for-pound best, Nayoya Inoue, and he looks like a world beater at 39 years old, Sergio. This is a guy, he's one of the best bantamweights of all time. And at this age, he's still showing it. One of the uh, greatest fighters of my generation that I'm growing up with. Mm. along with, Well, you fought with him back in the day, right? Uh, I did. Uh, but I'm going to say Andre Ward and Onito Donaire are the, the best fighters in the last 20 years in my generation. I went to the Olympic trials with them. I grew up boxing alongside him and his brother, uh, Glenn Donaire. They're, what did the, you think of Onito back then? We always paid attention. There was two two of my favorite fighters, even as an amateur, was Nonito Donaire, me and my trainer, by the way. Uh, Nonito Donaire and um, Ricardo Williams Jr., who was another just, he was amazing to watch. Uh, so anyway, Donaire was something just special, even back then. And as a professional, what he's accomplished, you know, uh, for what, four, four division world champion, you know, that left hook. Anytime you got power like that, especially with one big, one big punch like that, you're going you're gonna to be able to fight late into your 30s. But the fact that he's still hungry and fighting these younger champions, he's not being selective about the fighters he's fighting. He's fighting up-and-comers. He's fighting young He wants it away again. Punches, and he wants the monster again. After, after that, he wants to get back in with that guy after a war. Nonito and- Donaire, someone that's, that's that great. That's what happens, man. Donaire is, is unbelievable. And he had, he had a fan base there, too. I mean, I was there. I was freezing. It was, it was outdoors. It was cold. But Define it, freezing, okay. It was, it was like 48 degrees. I was wow. freezing. That's like L.A. 48 freezing. 48 degrees. But there was people around, and it was, it was a, a, a passionate crowd. He has a, a, a fan base, a Filipino fan base, but Mexicans love him for the same reason they love Manny Pacquiao because they get the knockout. So he, he has a, the, the Latino fan base, the Filipino fan base. He's an American. I mean, he's he's an unbelievable talent. I love watching him. The greatest fighter in the last 20 years. People, that's high praise. Who else? Last 20, you mentioned Ward. Okay. Like Floyd, Pacquiao. Well, look, I've been a, I went to the 2000 Olympic trials. It's yeah. 2021. So I'm going to say 20 years. Yes. In the last 20 years. But the Mayweather, we got the second part of it. Maybe Mayweather, that's still going. Maybe that's still going. Mayweather perhaps. was, a, you know, he turned pro, what, 96? So he's not yeah, really after my, the 96 Olympics. He's not really my generation. 2000, 2004, th- those are my Olympics. And, and I would say in the last 16 years, for sure, 20 years. Of guys that are still going, he has to be right there at the top. It's remar- remarkable how good he is. I mean, the only time he really struggled was when he moved up in weight. Every time, when, when he's at bantamweight, he's virtually unbeatable at that weight class. And he sounds like a guy that's able to make that weight for the foreseeable future. I mean, you mentioned Inouye. I mentioned Inouye. Great fight. Love to see the rematch. But people that listen to this podcast, and you and I have talked about this as well, he told me last week he wants to drop to 115 to fight the winner of Chocolatito Estrada. Sergio, can you imagine if Chocolatito can win that fight against Estrada, which would be a tough fight for him. Like, in the smaller weight divisions... Is there any bigger fight in the last no. like in the last like no. 15 20 years no. than Nonito versus Chocolatito? That would be like Chiquita Gonzalez and Carbajal type big. Massive. It would be huge, especially if you really Something that's a staple center sold oh. out kind it, of fight. It, it would be 20,000 people of 10,000 Mexicans and 10,000 Filipinos and it'll be a or whatever it is uh, uh every, everyone coming out Latinos. Uh, it, it will be incredible. It will be incredible. Nicaraguans, that's what I'm thinking of. Nicaraguans, yes, yeah. for Chocolatito. 
But Chocolatito is popular amongst Mexicans as well. Like, he's got a fan base there, too. So, I mean, that's a mega fight. I don't know if it's possible. Like, you got to get Chocolatito get through his fight with Estrada first. That's going to happen, I think, in March. And then we'll see what Donaire, where his head's at. But it's a politically makeable fight because Donaire is now with Probellum, yeah. Richard Schaefer. <clears throat> they Actually, bounce around a little bit. Actually, that fight will do better at, uh, at the forum. Chocolatitos fought at the forum before uh, the little drama. Not big enough. The little like, drama show. Yeah, but not big enough. But it was such a. You need thirty, I mean, you need twenty the, plus thousand. The atmosphere for that. there was incredible. It would be great, but you need twenty plus thousand for that kind of fight. That's no, a massive event. That is a massive event, and and it will go down in history because the style matches you, the style matchup, what they bring to the table, the fact that Donaire is a four division champion, Chocolatitos a four division world champion, the two of the greatest of our generation. Man, historic. I agree. I agree. All right, let's look forward to this weekend. Uh, let's start on Saturday, where we are going to be calling the Gilberto ramirez Uniski gonzalez fight. Uh, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm not expecting a lot of resistance out of Gonzalez. He is on a three-fight winning streak, but those three wins have come against very low-level competition. Before that, he took three years off, and that was right after he got knocked out by Alexander Vodzik. That was the last of a three-loss in five-fight stretch for Gonzalez. So not, not the highest of level of opponents. But let's just talk about Ramirez here. Since his move up to light heavyweight, what have you seen from him? We've been able to call his last couple of fights. What have you seen from Ramirez? Well, one, he carried his power up. He's not struggling to make weight. So he's a lot happier, fresher. He looks better. And it's showing. I he mean, said he ate the, a steak at the before the press conference and today. And that's what you want to do whenever you're you're making weight the right way. You're not draining yourself. You're not skipping meals. You're not dehydrated. You're not moody. You actually look forward to fighting. It's the best, Mannix. It's ab- it's the best as a fighter. Happy fighter is the dangerous fighter. That's a dangerous man right there. And I think, uh, you know, dropping weight when you're that tall, almost six foot three, uh, dropping to one sixty eight just to have the advantage. You're, you were losing that advantage after you weighed in after you weighed in and you didn't really carry you know everything you could have so at 170 178 he's he's carrying that power carrying that weight eating before not struggling and he gets to do the easiest thing just go out there and execute the game plan so no man I just think Ramirez I mean it's going to be difficult once he gets in there with a better BF and a Bevo and a Smith. Well, that's the question, right? Cuz like, those are natural light heavyweights yeah. and they're and they're and Although they Bevo's a the, smaller light heavyweight Bevo is coming up for 168, so he's the only one. But the other ones, uh, yeah, they're monsters that are naturally 175, and they're going to hi- rehydrate up to closer to 200 pounds, you know, cruiserweights when they come into that uh, in the ring. So they're they're going to have that mass advantage. But Surdo, you know, w- what what I like about Ramirez is is the fact that he he can fight in the inside for such a tall fighter. Normally, tall fighters avoid getting in the inside, you know. That, that's the reason I like that tall fighter, uh, uh, Sebastian Fundura. Fundura. That's, there's tall and then there's Sebastian Fundura. Yeah, and then there's, right. then, there, then there's freakish tall. But he loves Paul fighting Williams on the inside. That, yeah. He loves with the uppercuts and the body shots. That's impressive. Paul Williams is, an, is another one. Usually tall fighters just fight on the outside. They keep it real you know, basic and, and sometimes boring. They pick you apart from the outside and they avoid the inside for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, that's not the case for Ramirez. Surdo's a fan-friendly fighter putting butts in seats, Golden Boy's promoting them the right way, and he's he's I think he's the next next up and coming star. All right, so what do you want to see out of him Knockout. against yeah. I mean I, I feel like Sullivan it's like Barrera first. type Sullivan Barrera type performance. He Barrera was another Cuban, you know, standout. This is another Cuban standout in their mid thirties. They've been stopped before. Go out there and 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 get the job done quick. That's what I want. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. Now let on on the last thing on this topic, like, let's say they can make a Bevel fight. How do you see Ramirez matching up against a Bevel? Do you feel like he's on that level? It's at, at like I would favor. I would favor uh, Dimitri Bevel. Really? That fight? Yeah, absolutely. I would favor Bevel, uh, but I, I would think Ramirez would would get out of character in that fight. And I, if if I would think he has the longer arms, so if he can catch him, you know, Bevel pulling out with a with a wide left hook or or something. Something where he's punching with him. Bevo's a little bit too strict and won't get out of character, but Ramirez will in that second half of the fight. So I, I, it would be an entertaining, you know, past the sixth round. I, I would favor Bevo, but that fight could also end in, in, in stoppage by somebody. So, yeah, 
I would love that fight. All right, a few more things I want to run through. On Friday, we've got another light heavyweight title in action, too, in fact. Archer Betterbeev takes on Marcus Brown. As we record this, Sergio, I'm pretty sure that fight happens. But right now, Canada is a complete shit show with the COVID-19 virus spreading all over the place. The fight is probably going to take place behind closed doors at the Bell Center. Uh, Better be of undefeated, knocked out every opponent along the way. Marcus Brown, he's got that Olympic pedigree, but he's also lost to Jean Pascal. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like, it has not looked to this point like he's on the level of Archer better be How do you see that fight kind of playing out? Yeah, the, I mean, as soon as you talk about, all right, how do you how do you see this fight and who do you favor? The first thing that pops up in your head is, oh, better be is going to knock him out. But anybody that knows boxing, anyone that studies the numbers, studies the the opponents, studies the background, you mentioned it, U.S. Olympian, check. So he has an amateur experience. He's a tall southpaw, check. He's going to give the lefty angles. I think the difference here that we're not seeing the secret weapon here is going to be Derek James, the trainer. First time working with Marcus Brown. Exactly. The motivation is going to be there. The fact that he's going to be in camp with maybe the best Southpaw in the world and Errol Spence. He's going to pick up that Southpaw, uh, you know, information, uh, the motivation. He's going to be, he's going to want to impress him as well. He's going to, he has Charlo, a beast, so he learns the meanness out of out of Charlo. So he has a good a good mix of three brilliant boxing minds right there in that small camp, and none of them are fighting. So he had he had Derek James to himself. Derek James concentrated, however long it was, two three months, just focusing on Better Beef, who is beatable, who was overweight for this fight, might have been struggling with uh, the weight. Point two. He's point thirty six years old, and I I. Just why do you stylistically, say, man. Why do you say Better Beev is beatable? Now, he got knocked down by Callum Johnson. That was more of a flash knockdown for Better Beev a couple of years ago. But why do you think he's beatable? I, I just think maybe... Vodzik couldn't do it, and Vodzik is a very just, good fighter. It's, you know, father time, man. Once you, once you, I, I know what it's like to fight at 36 years old. I mean, but he I, fights different. Like he he's fights a lot different. He's, yeah, but thirty six <laughs> is thirty six, no, no man. Fights it's different. Yeah, thirty six is thirty six, man, and and that's why what Donaire is doing is incredible. And any fighter that's still in the top level past thirty five is special. It it really is special. This is a young man's game, and the fact that that it might be time, the perfect storm might be brewing. But if there's a secret weapon here, it's the amateur pedigree. The fact that he has the experience coming from Pascal. And Derek James in his corner. All right, so you're picking the upset. I'm gonna throw a couple hundreds on that. On you're that throwing upset. money on Marcus Brown. I'm is what you're saying. Todd you're Grisham. Money. Todd Grisham and I. You're throwing money nah. on Marcus Brown. <laughs> I, you know what? That's something that if if um, the odds are right, yeah, why not? Okay. That's the type of fight where I would absolutely. Okay. I like the underdog on that one. Uh, Marcus had some good moments, and he's beat he beat uh, Badu Jack, beat a few other guys. Uh, if Todd Grisham calls me up and says, "Essay." Who do you like? Marcus Brown. You know, he does my accent. Yes. I'm going to say, you know what? Live dog. He does your accent like your cheech, though. That's the <laughs> Live dog, S.A. Let's take Marcus Brown, Holmes. <laughs> I, it's, it's just so hard to keep uh, keep uh, Better Be Up off you, though. Man. No, it like, is. That's, it is. I mean, it's like, Vodzik was doing well be... in that fight. I was at that fight in Philadelphia. Vodzik was doing well for a while, and he, then just Better Be wears you down and just you beats you down. You know how tough it is to keep a monster off you for 36 minutes? 36 minutes of fighting, and you're only one punch, one second away from getting demolished. That's how hard he punched. I mean, no one's been able to last the distance. He has a 100% knockout ratio. He's the only one in boxing with 100% knockout ratio. That's Well, only champion. Virgil Ortiz also 100% Only champion. Ratio, yes. Take champion. that back. There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Heavyweights this weekend. Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora rematch. Split decision win for Joseph Parker the last time. I like Parker to win even bigger this time. Chisora is getting older. Parker is still in his prime. Uh, his second fight, I believe, with Andy Lee as his trainer. He's training with Tyson Fury. There's a lot of, of boxes that Parker checks. He's got a good chance. I know he's knocked down the first round of that last fight, but that was a flash knockdown. I, I think I think Parker's the better boxer, and I think Chisora, as he has done over the last few years, has a very good first three or four rounds. And then fades. I don't see. I haven't seen anything Sergio and Derek Chisora that tells me all of a sudden he's going to be in the kind of shape that's going to make him a threat in rounds eight through twelve. That's been his Achilles' heel in in recent years. He's been really good early and then fades late. How do you see that fight? 
I see this fight being a lot better for Parker. He knows what to expect. He was keeping his head up a little bit too too high. He was fighting too tall. That the jab was a little lazy. He got knocked down in the first round, I believe, right? In that fight? That's what I said, yeah, first round. Yeah. Okay, so anytime you get Thanks dropped in the yes. I tune out when you're talking. All right, well, but anytime a fighter gets knocked down that early, he, he stops he stops worrying about the game plan. He just stops starts worrying about winning rounds and, and not getting hit like that again. So the game plan got thrown out really early, early in that fight. For this fight, he knows what to expect. He already felt the power. He probably got you know um, shocked by the fact that, that Chisora was able to close the distance that fast for being you know a big guy. Yeah, it's going to be a different fight. With a snappy jab, keeping the distance, keeping that chin down, which is most important for Joseph Parker, and uh, letting go of that right hand at the right time in the second half of the fight, I could see him uh, um, hurting Chisora, maybe not knocking him out, but hurting him where the corner has to maybe look into it, the doctor, maybe even the referee. Well, he, can, he can knock him out. I mean, Chisora is I don't very think knock out a bull. I don't think with one punch. It's going to be a, It has to be an acu- accumulation of right hands and jabs and, and, and stuff like that. It won't be a one-punch knockout. Parker's not that eraser type. So someone's going to have to get involved, but Chisora might be you know, a little, one, one too many wars. You know, so, not a lot of wars. He, he has no intention of retiring anytime Shit, they soon call either. him war. He do. Well, he's kind of adopted that in recent years. He was Del Boy for a long time. Now he's War Chisora. Like, I, he's a fun fighter. He, to me, though, is a gatekeeper at this point. And look, as he said to us before, we've called some of his fights, um, he's not a championship fighter. He's a money weight fighter. He fights for cash at this point. So he, he draws fans. He'll be the crowd favorite over in the UK. I just don't see the skill set. He's a there price anymore. fighter. And uh, I, I think he got. Did you see not- him at the press conference when he had the piece of tape over his mouth? Yeah. Said, Eddie, pay he, me to talk. Listen, I don't that get. That was great. It, he busted that, uh, I believe it's Marilyn Monroe, says, I don't get up out of bed at least for $2,000. Remember, he did that to Pro Gray Taylor before their fight. He said, That's Why? Smart. I'm not, I'm not fighting unless you pay me more money or or make me the main event. These guys are trying to make money off of me. I'm not a champion, but I'm the I'm the draw. That's what it is. That's what power real power is in boxing, right? Like your your ability to draw fans, draw viewers, and that's what Chisora even at this stage still does. You know, and and he has this persona, you know, he he walks in with that with the British flag around his face, the UK flag around his face and 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 he he's a big guy too, you know. I've seen him in person. He's a big guy. He, he, Huge, had, yeah. he has this uh, he, wide shoulders. He looks like a bad guy in a in a movie, and uh, he always has that that demeanor. So yeah, every, everyone likes the bad guy, and he plays it up, and yeah. he plays it up. Yeah, I, I think he gets knocked out. I think Parker has enough in him to stop him in the later rounds, and uh, and Chisora has been knocked out a few times before in the past. So I think that's how that fight war war Chisora. It'll be war. Um, I don't need to talk about Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. I will say well, this. Well, then don't. Well, our difference. Well, then don't. I'm not going to talk about the. Why fight. you bring it up? I'm not talking because it's. I'm an tired event. of talking about it. It's an event. No, it's an event that no one, no one that really cares about boxing That's cares dumb. about. That's dumb. That's not true. People that care about boxing are watching other boxers on that card. Amanda Serrano is on that card. She's fighting at lightweight. Who's she her, fighting? Uh, Miriam Gonzalez. I want to say uh, I'm blanking I on her last wouldn't name. Wouldn't know. Amanda Serrano is the draw there. This is where we disagree. Jake Paul is not going to win a world championship. He's not going to become a, quote, real boxer. But Jake Paul is drawing attention for other real boxers. Sergio, I'll be the first attention. to admit. I'll admit. Listen, I'll admit. So I didn't, we're, we're in it for attention now. Course, we just talked about what the power of being a draw. Like, of course you're in it for attention, one way or the other. I didn't know who Montana Love was before he fought on the undercard of Jake Paul. He fought Ivan Baranchek. He knocked him out. Now, I know who he is. And way more importantly, he got a multi-fight deal from Matchroom. But it wasn't because he was on that undercard. Of it was. because it was. he knocked out a tough guy in Baranchek who who was in a fight of the year. A fight and the way made. he did it with that big right hand, he knocked he knocked out a tough guy. It's That's what fight people remember. Never, Not the fact that he was on an undercard of some Joe Schmo. It's a fight he never would have gotten if he didn't fight in the Jake Paul undercard. It's a fight It's a fight that got the exposure it got because it was on the Jake Paul undercard. You ask Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn probably didn't know who Montana Love was before that last fight. Do you have Jake Paul's phone number? I do not. Why Why are you talking about Jake Paul so much? Are they? Are you on the inside? Are you getting Are you getting? Yes, I'm, getting, you, I'm getting YouTube views. Yeah, you're getting YouTube this. money here? Yes. I mean, I don't even know why you're you mentioning this guy. Page at this point? I don't know why you're Back mentioning this man's name. I mean, he look, I... I'm going to tell you I respect what he's doing as a businessman Correct. as a as a young man and and getting making millions of dollars being an a-hole. 
Good for him. I respect his hustle. I'm not going to knock it, but I'm a boxer. I've dedicated my entire life doing this. I know boxing lifers. I know what it takes to be a part of this, the blood we spilled. And to see this guy come in there and make more money than guys that have been doing all their lives, it's a spit in the face, a slap in the face. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to see it. I don't care if he brings any kind of younger viewership. They're only going to watch him. Then I watch the undercard. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Okay. That's See, where you're you got wrong. Me pissed no, off. that's where you're wrong. People watched Montana Love. Eddie Hearn signed Montana Love because of that performance. He knocked them out because of the knockout, because uh, of the performance, not the not because of the eyes that he brought to the table, because of uh, of of the of the people watching. Amanda Serrano is going to be the co-main event on a visible card for the second fight in a row. You can't deny that Amanda Serrano against Katie Taylor is a bigger fight because of Jake Paul. You can't deny that. No, it's going to be bigger because she's fighting the best fighter in the world in, in women's sports, okay. and that's Katie Taylor. Katie didn't look that good in the last fight. No, I she didn't, didn't, but she's still pound for pound number one. I agree. That's the reason Serrano and her will yes, be a big but fight. but Jake Paul has, has increased the visibility for Amanda Serrano. I, pff, you don't think you, so? Says you. I don't know. What was Amanda Serrano fighting on before this? She fought on NBC Sports Network in the fight before that. Nobody watched that. Nobody watched it, but you got to give credit to where it's due. One, she's a bad fighter like damn I good I do but that's not the point if it wasn't for Katie Taylor she would be number one I'll be honest with you not Clarissa Shields I watch Clarissa sure, fine. I, don't I watch Clarissa that. Shields and Amanda Serrano Serrano's a I don't beast. dispute that I don't dispute that but She's you need visibility in boxing you know that you got how did you become a star you won the damn contender for the 10 million people. 11 million people. Yeah, 11 million. This is what I'm talking about. Jake Paul increased the visibility. By the way, if Jake Paul, which he will be, involved in the Serrano versus Taylor fight, he's going to bring the fucking problem bot out to New York and have that at the press <laughs> the conference, problem. and it's going to make it bigger. It's going <laughs> to make it bigger. I'm telling you. Maybe there'll be a Mrs. Problem bot for that fight. Like, there's an idea. Dude, you're such a nerd. I think it's fun. You're, I think Jake Paul's fun. And by the way... You're attracted he, by, by YouTube hits and a robot. Okay, Jake Paul fought an eight-round eight round fight against Tyron Woodley in his last fight. I have seen a hundred shittier world title fights than that. Like, that's not bad boxing. Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter is bad boxing. This is not bad boxing. It's not great, but it's not bad boxing. My barbecue fighting days were a lot more better than that. And I didn't even know how to box. I wasn't training with with professional fighters. I didn't have all the money this man spends on trying to become a better boxer. I just knew how to fight because I knew how to fight. I was born with it. This guy, He takes know, it seriously, though. He works well, with my old friend, that. BJ Flores. Like He that. works with guys. I'll give him that. He takes it serious. He does. So what do you want him to do? Fight a real fighter. Be a, be a, buy, a who fight cares? A what, you want to fight a cruiserweight? You want to fight some fight a real fighter? Who? Fight, a, fight a guy that's a 50-50 record. Then who? you'll get my attention. Anybody. Fight a loser. Fight someone that hasn't Nobody won, will watch won. that. As long as he fights a professional fighter, then no. I'll give him credit. Nobody Other than will that, watch that. Nobody, I don't care. Tommy Fury's a professional fighter. Do you yeah, care about what, that? Okay. Look, Tyson Fury. Tommy. He, he, Tommy. Tommy. Tyson Fury's younger, what, nephew? It's his half-brother. Whatever he is. He has that Fury last name. He's undefeated against nobodies. At least he could say he was a professional fighter. At least, and he has that that Fury last name. So that would have been attractive. You I would have been all last fight for Tommy. I would have been no. I would have been all for it. Terrible. I would have been all for it for it. But the fact that he's fighting basketball players and football players, and no man, come on. What's next? Sports Illustrated writers for the right price. I'll get back in the I ring. I bet you will. Yeah. yeah. I, I will love Jake. I Paul went three rounds with Juan Manuel Marquez. That's world the story champion, of your life. Twenty six. We're going to the Soho House or what? I'm not going to Soho House. This is the only reason I did this it's podcast. Not true. <laughs> We're not going to the Soho House. We're going to the Riverwalk. We're not going to the Soho House. All right, last thing. Uh, I reported today, Daniel Jacobs, back in February in London, is going to take on John Ryder. This is part of a plan for Team Jacobs to get him back on top. Hopefully, if things go right for Jacobs, he fights Joe Smith for a light heavyweight title in the middle of next year. And hopefully, if he wins that fight, he gets a matchup with Golovkin, Canelo, another, a rematch that he badly wants. Uh, Jacobs has been successful, but he really hasn't been entertaining. I mean, not since he starched you a couple of times has he been an entertaining fighter, really. Do you think that Jacobs after being off since November of 2020, can get back on top. He starched me in that second fight when I was inactive on one foot and I was already 36 <laughs> years old. In that first fight, my, man, I was ready to go. Clip. And Daniel Jacobs is, what, 35 years old? Mid-30s. Yeah, he was the exact same age I was when I fought him. And I okay, can tell but let me, you, ask, let me then, ask you this. 
the fight against Rosado, which mm. was the most uninspired win I've ever seen. It like, what did win. you see in that? It wasn't a win. Well, whatever. Was, I thought he won, but big he, deal. He, he, he draw whatever you want to call he it. He was, was vulnerable. He was um, unmotivated. It wasn't him. He wasn't going for the knockout. He, normally, he has a big right hand. He has confidence. He has swag. He brings that Brooklyn, that Brooklyn, you know, bravado. He had none of that. And I questioned, you know, not only his heart, his training, where his mindset is at, but why didn't he have Andre Rozier in his corner, the man that got him there in the first place? So well, Andre's you know, back. He's Andre's back now. Andre's back. Yes. So that's a good. That's a good plus. The fact that. You know, he has that bad performance against Rosado. Um, the fact that he's a, a former champion and knows that he's that he still has that ability and that hunger. And if Canelo, or, you know, we know who the man is at 168. He cleaned out the division. But Jacobs, I can see him beating Saunders. I can see him beating Caleb Plant. I can see him beating or being a hell of a fight with Benavides. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great division. So and Daniel believe, Jacobs is right in the middle of it. So you believe that he can, like... He he looked to me like a fighter that lost the fire in his belly against Rosado. And uh, even though even though I hate you and all you stand for, you've taught me a lot over the years about kind of what that means, you. right? Like from the contender, where you you, you talked about how you kind of you lost some of that after that. From the first win over Forrest to the second fight where you partied too much and like you know went out got a little out of control. Um, you've taught me a lot about kind of that the ebb and flow of a fighter you saw what he was against Rosado do you think he can get that that fire back because that to me is the most important thing he's still got the skills but can he get the fire to be a world champion to be a top level guy back you know when whenever you have that overnight success and you may have that life-changing money and you have the attention you get the spoils of victory and, the, and that's what every fighter I don't care I don't care who you talk to Mannix every fighter wants that and when they have it they indulge in it but they also got to they have to they have to know how to balance both of them and that's where I kind of leaned too much with the indulgence but Daniel Jacobs it had nothing to do with indulging it was just maybe that was a lot how much money did he make uh, oh he's made shout out Keith no, 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 he's uh, made a lot of money over the years tens of millions right tens of millions I'm yeah. talking about Canelo Golovkin um comeback fights like you know tens of millions of dollars all right so yeah shout out to Keith Conley um but that changes a fighter. Whenever you you grow you grow up with nothing in the streets of Brooklyn, streets of East LA, uh, you know that's all you want. And when finally you have it, you know you lose a little bit of that hunger. It's it's cliche, it's cheesy, but you lose that hunger and you get it back. The the way you get it back is not going broke. <laughs> you get it back by naysayers, people counting you out, people turning their back on you, people saying that you don't have it no more. That's what brings your fire back. Not the money, because you have it already. It's the fact that no one doubts, everyone doubts you, no one thinks you could do it again, and you just want to challenge yourself. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see, okay, can you do it? Yes, I can. Let's do it then. Get your ass back up on the ball. Let's get this title again. He, and that's, he, what, that's what I had when I fought him that first time. You know, I had that 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 eye of the tiger. Oh shit, man! I I really I thought I was gonna be a two time champion, and then obviously my my ankle you know busted. But you that know, Jacob's fist. You know, he's a hard puncher. He's the hardest. He's the biggest biggest middleweight I've been ever been in the ring. Huge with. middleweight. One of the hardest punchers I've been in there with. And uh, yeah, if he comes back hungry, he's gonna be a force. If he to does with that super middleweight. If he doesn't though, he loses to John Ryder. Like John Ryder, John Ryder can make a big a big fighter look. And he's fighting that fight in the UK. Average. He's gonna fight in London, yeah. so like, he's gonna have to hurt Ryder, or else if that fight goes into the later rounds, I see Ryder pulling that off. And Ryder in an ugly, sloppy. He fight. may have gotten robbed against Callum against Smith. Callum Smith, and he's yeah. won two fights in a row since that. Yep. No, no, it's a bad style matchup. So if if Jacobs doesn't come in there taking Ryder seriously, have the the he's not gonna have the the fans on his side. He's not gonna have the judges on his side. He's gonna have nobody on his side. Just his talent and his and his and his corner. So. You know he's gonna have to be he's gonna be out on his p's and q's. Yeah, it's winner go home for Daniel Jacobs. All right, you want to go to the bar? Please. Can you? That belt is ridiculous. Hey, wait, wait a minute. What? We're not going to the Soho House. We're not going to the Soho House. You, we talked about this. It's an hour and a half away. Waffle House, then. <laughs> Cut it. When we come back, my conversation with Darren Williams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right, you get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. My best bet this weekend, Marcus Brown to defeat Arthur Betterbiev. I'm a little leery on Brown, who I don't know if he's on Betterbiev's level, but Betterbiev has not looked great lately. Marcus Brown has a new trainer. Mm, feels like the kind of fight Marcus Brown might be able to pull off. Take Marcus Brown to beat Archer Betterbeer. Offers like this are just one of the many reasons I love betting on FanDuel. Is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use. There are safe and secure payouts. The app, incredibly easy. When you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. With FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code BOXING. Uh, So, Darren, I guess start by kind of walk me through how a former NBA All-Star, 12-year NBA veteran, winds up getting involved in a professional boxing match. Uh, oh, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I, I got a call about six weeks ago, um, saying that Frank Gore was looking for an opponent and, um, I was like, why not? Um, but before that, you know, I've been training, uh, MMA for quite some time now. I'm part owner of an MMA gym in Dallas, Fortis MMA. And, um, you know, I grew up, my first sport was wrestling, wrestled for nine years. So I've just kind of always loved combat sports. I've always been a boxing fan, an MMA fan. And um, so when the opportunity came about, you know, um, I kind of jumped on it. So before six weeks ago, had you given any real thought to doing something like this? Yeah, I had already, uh, I actually was training for a fight right before COVID and that was uh, supposed to happen in in February. Uh, And the guy backed out. And then obviously COVID happened in March and um, didn't give much thought to it, you know, after that, because we're all, everybody was sitting at home for, you know, a year. 
Um, and then, you know, as of this last year with, with, you know, the Paul brothers and, and this, you know, Ocho Cinco and guys like that getting in the ring, you know, I watched and I was like, shoot, that'd be kind of fun. You know, it's kind of something that I've always wanted to do. And, um, when I was approached about it, I, I like I said, I, I jumped on it because I feel like, you know, um, that's one of those opportunities that I, if, if I passed on, I'd be kicking myself for. So why go back to February of 2020. Why did you want to do it then? I mean, you, you've, you've spent your entire life, you know, hours, countless hours trained to be a professional basketball player, mm -hmm. boxing, no matter how much you kind of work at combat sports, it's, it's a different animal as we've seen with, you know, guys kind of venturing into the sport mm -hmm. in the past. What made you confident that, that you could succeed in it? Well, I'm not trying to be a world champion boxer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a career of this. I'm not, <laughs> that's not what I'm doing here. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in to check a box, you know, um, do something that I've, that I, that I want to do that I love doing. And, um, I think that's that's the main reason for me. So February of 2020 kind of predated what we saw from Nate Robinson, predated what we saw from Lamar Odom. Mm -hmm. When you watch kind of those guys stumble through it to a degree, mm -hmm. um, what did you think? Well, Lamar Odom, that, was, that thing was, I don't even know what that was. That's still going on, Darren. Like he's still doing it. That was embarrassing is what that was. He fought a dude that was like 150 pounds less than him and still got – he got a couple good punches. If he didn't have the headgear on, he might have been out. Mm. Um, and then Nate, I think, you know, I give Nate props because, he, you know, he got in there and really did it. Um, I don't think he was prepared. I don't think he knew quite how serious Jake Paul was, you know, taking um, the sport of boxing. I think he – I think he thought, you know – I'm one of the best athletes in the world because Nate Robinson is one of the best athletes that I've ever seen personally um, and thought that he could go in there and, and use that. Um, but that's not, that's not going to work in boxing. And so uh, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of, of, of that and um, that it takes a unique skill set to box. And so, um, you know, I, I'm definitely not taking Frank Gore lightly. I'm not overlooking him. I know that he's, he's an extremely tough athlete. Uh, a very talented athlete and uh, I know he's a hard worker and he's been, you know, he's been boxing for years, you know, he's been doing it as, as, as a, as a form of a, a training. And so, um, you know, I'm very aware of that. I heard it take, took Frank Gore some, it took some convincing of Frank Gore to get in the ring with you. <clears throat> you know, I don't know what, I don't, I don't listen to hearsay, you know, and <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> just, it doesn't just really behind matter. the scenes stuff, Darren, a little but showtime doesn't really chatter. Matter. It doesn't really matter, you know. I mean, it's a scary thing to get in the ring, you know. I, I, I think this I, it's not for everybody. You know, people are asking me, why are you doing it? Now I've had people like, what are you thinking? Like, what? Like, well, I'm, I'm doing it because I want to do it. I feel like I want to do this, you know. And, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's, I'm sure I'll be nervous. Um, but I think it'll be fun, too. I think it'll be, you know um, – a unique experience that not a lot of people get, get a chance to do, especially in front of, you know, a crowd and, and the world. So when did you kind of, and how did you make the transition from MMA training to boxing training and how, how difficult was that transition to make? Well, I mean, so, I mean, a lot of MMA is boxing, you know, um, it, it's boxing based and, you know, there's days where we just spar, you know, only boxing. And so, it's something that I've been familiar with. I've been comfortable with. Um, uh, but now I really, I really just turned that focus to only, only boxing. You know, there was no jujitsu, there was no wrestling, there was no kicking, there was, there was nothing, you know, and I, I took a different approach to it. And, um, you know, over the, I've actually, I had some injuries over the last year that kind of kept me from doing jujitsu and, and things. And so I was kind of, strictly working on my boxing, working on my stand-up. Um, and uh, so it was kind of like the right timing, I feel like, um, to where I could just, you know, just focus on that. And it's, it's for me, it's a lot easier at my age to get ready for a boxing match than it is to get ready for, you know, an MMA match. So what, you say you're not trying to become a world champion. No. Um, 
what are you trying to get out of this? Do you look at this as one and done? Yeah, just, or... I mean, that's, that's how I'm approaching it. You know, I'm 37 years old. Um, like I said, this is a, this is like a, a box I wanted to check, you know, I want, I wanted to fight in some way, shape or form, you know, originally I didn't think boxing was a way to do it because there wasn't really this, this celebrity boxing thing wasn't really a thing until the last, you know, year and a half, two years when the Paul brothers kind of made it popular. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just looking at it as, as I'm fighting Frank Gore on December 18th and then probably won't hear from me for a while again. Mm -hmm. See, I see. I, I don't believe that because if you look great against Frank Gore, someone's gonna say like, "Let's see Darren Williams against somebody else." Are you gonna be? Are you they, really gonna turn that down? That's a lot, man. This is a lot of training. It's a lot of time. <laughs> you know, it, honestly, this like <clears throat> I had been saying I want to do it, and it came. Everything came together like at the right time. Honestly, I would have liked to have a little more notice, you know, because I was, I got the notice <laughs> at six weeks. So I would have liked to have a little longer camp, but also I, I actually feel like it was kind of good. Cause it's just like, it's already here, you know? And so, um, but like my daughter, she's just now about to start volleyball and she's playing every damn near every week club volleyball. And, and so it's just like, I'm not going to miss her stuff, you know, so that I can just focus on a, a whole nother profession. It's just not going to happen. And so, you know, for me, the, I am taking this as a, as a one-off and we'll see what happens. You know, like you said, I mean, I never know until I get in there and, and, and see what happens, but um, you know, this was just a, a one-time thing that I wanted to do. Gave me a reason to get back in shape and um, you know, have a chance to fight because I've always wanted to fight. You have been kind of quiet. Have we, people haven't heard much from you since you retired mm -hmm. back in 2017. I mean, how have you been spending the last four plus years? Yeah, I've just been, well, I was, you know, doing a lot of MMA training, a lot of golfing. Um, over the last, like, two years, I haven't done much golfing. Um, building some houses, you know, um, you know, doing some, so I got some side businesses here and there. Got got the MMA gym, Fortis MMA. And so um, that's kind of kind of it. I'm quiet. I don't, you know, I don't really do much homebody. Uh like to hang out with my family. How? I Go back into going back to 2017. Like, how did you know that was time that it was, you were only 33 years old when you yeah. retired from the NBA. How did you know that was time? I mean, it was honestly, I, I feel like I, you know, I left a little early, but there was a lot of, a lot of factors that, that went into that. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, you know, one thing, um, you know, mentally, I just wasn't in a good place, um, which was, was a lot of it, I think. And, didn't really love how, you know, that season ended for me and, and where I was at and injuries. I feel like I just, uh, there was, there hadn't been a season where I could just stay healthy and, and not get injured. And so um, I didn't know if I could take another season of that, you know, of that disappointment. And so um, just kind of, kind of, you know, I, I, I never formally retired, I guess, you know, but it was kind of one of those things where, as time time went on, it was like, all right, well, it's definitely too late now. These these kids, these boys ain't playing, you know. Uh, and, I, and I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not stupid to think I could just after three years of just not playing basketball, I'd be like, oh yeah, let me just go hop back in there with these young fellas, you know. So that was kind of how it ended. The, the physical stuff. I mean, I there's actually a website devoted to your injuries during your NBA career. Like it is a long, long <laughs> list of, of injuries, Darren. You had, I mean, you've dealt with a lot. Like when you look at all the injuries you had to battle through, what was the one or ones that that you thought robbed you the most? You know, it's 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 funny because like I never had like the just like the horrible, you know, I never had an ACL or, or anything like that. You know, knock on wood, that like just hit me hard. It was just always like nagging little stupid injuries and. Uh, probably my ankles were the worst, I think, um, mm -hmm. because I, I waited so long to get them repaired. Um, and they just like, they took a lot out of me. It was, you know, my first couple of years in Brooklyn. Um, and I just had no lift. My, my ankles would swell up like softballs after games. I couldn't walk up, you know, I lived in a, a two-story apartment in New York. Couldn't walk up the stairs. Couldn't like go run around the park with my kids. Just, they were, you know, little at the time. I couldn't do the normal things that, that I wanted to, um, and and that definitely took a lot of lot out of me, a lot of a lot of my confidence. And then, you know, on top of that, having to deal with you know, the pressure of being, you know, 
supposed to be the franchise guy and you're not performing, you know, and it wasn't the outside pressure. It was the pressure that, that I personally put on myself because, you know, I wanted to be better. Was that what you felt derailed that first year in Brooklyn? I mean, I, in my basement, I have the cover story for sports illustrator that I wrote with all five of you guys on the cover saying yeah. who wants a piece of them. Yeah. And at the time it looked like, you know, you guys were poised to to win the whole thing. Like how much, how much did that internal pressure you know, kind of affect you and that, that season unravel. I, you know, I think it was more, it was more injuries. You know, um, I started out that season where I, I didn't even, uh, I was hurt to start the season. Um, my ankles were hurt before. Um, I was actually in a boot for most of the, like camp and, and, and before the season and Brooke Lopez ended up breaking his foot. Paul ended up getting hurt, missing games. You know, KG was battling through all type of stuff, you know? And so, we just, we just, we, we didn't really get a chance to like have everybody at once. We didn't get a chance to click, you know, JK was his first year coaching, you know, had the, had the situation with him and Lawrence Frank. Um, there was just a lot of stuff going on. I think at one time and it was kind of just like a, a shit storm and uh, mm -hmm. didn't go well, but we, we battled back that second half of the season and still, you know, lost to a tough LeBron Miami team, LeBron and D-Wade, Chris Bosch Miami team. Do you think health would have changed anything with that team or was that team kind of snake bitten for different reasons? I think so. I think for sure, you know, you, you, you add some different health and different luck, you know, little things here and there. I think for sure it's a different team. When you, you and Chris Paul for so many years were connected, uh, intertwined as two top picks uh, in that, that draft, when you watch him kind of play right now, kind of nearing 40 and still kind of going, do you think you think at all like if injuries hadn't robbed me of certain things that could be you still out there how do you how do you what do you think of when you watch a Chris Paul out I mean there that's playing? that's hard to say because I mean who else from from that draft class is doing that yeah right it's not that's not what he's doing is not that's not normal it's not that's not easy you know that's not to be taken lightly he's doing that because he's he's doing that you know and and I, I'm really good friends with Chris and had a chance to talk talk with him and um you know, I'm, I'm so, so I've always been impressed with his career, you know, and, and him as a player, as a person. Um, but yeah, I'm really impressed with what he's done the last, like these last like two, three years, because, you know, he was having injury problems, you know, when he was in Houston and b before that, you know, where he was missing playoffs and people were writing him off. And then he got the big contract and people were like, that's a stupid contract. Mm -hmm. Well, he's proven He's proven that it's not a super contract and that he's, you know, he's still an elite point guard and one of the best to do it. So it's funny how it's funny how quickly that changes, right? Like it went from being a terrible contract to now he's gonna make even more money in the next deal. Like yeah. it's just on a dime. Did like did you think that you were gonna be able to kind of get what you lost back in Dallas when you went down there after leaving Brooklyn? Money wise or No, I mean like your game back. Kind of like rediscover your, yourself there. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, but I still dealt with the same same injuries you know, then, um, and, and that was, that was the frustrating thing, but, um, def, Dallas was definitely a, you know, a, be, a better situation for me personally, I think. And, um, you know, I definitely very thankful for that organization, love, love playing for that organization. And, um, um, you know, I hoped it would have went a little bit better, but, you know, they were kind of at a point where it was time for them to rebuild. And so, um, you know, the situation ended a little early. All right, before I let you go, you said that this, for now, is a one-off against Frank Gore on December 18th. Um, if, if there's anyone in your NBA playing days, past or playing right now, that you could get in the ring with, I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again, that you get in the ring with, who would it be? I don't even know, man. Um, Paul Pierce just asked me this question a couple days ago. I thought it would be Paul Pierce. So, so I almost thought about saying that to him just to mess with him. Um, but I don't have a problem with Paul. I mean, and I get what he was saying, you know, it, it, this stuff doesn't bother me, man. I'm, it, I'm too old to get bothered by little stuff like that. Um, but, hmm. Did it, did it bother you at the time when he was kind of saying like he expected you and some of the younger guys to step forward and you didn't, uh, did that bother you at the time? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It did. Um, but at the same time he was kind of right. So it's like, what do you, what do you say? I was the franchise guy. I was a max player, you know, 
it was it was my job and, and I wasn't able to do it so as much as it you know it hurts or it hurt there's truth to it so it can't you know can't hurt that much you know <laughs> um you know it's funny like I, and, and he knows this but there was one guy that I did not like when I was in the NBA well there's a couple guys but I used to get into it with was Dante Jones ah couldn't stand him because he always tripped me always always play and play hard d always tripped me like you know was one of those guys that tried to get under your skin um and i would have said him until i played with him in cleveland and he became my boy uh, and i love dante um but before that it was probably him <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good one that's a good one yeah. what about i have two names you i mentioned pierce um carlos boozer mm -hmm. would you would you want to fight him why would i want to fight booze my, I don't know. He's your teammate, like ex-teammate. You know, yeah, you know. I don't well, know. That's my boy. Why would I want to fight him? I don't know. Booze. I got. I got. Booze a big boy, man. Booze is like two eighty, but <laughs> he is a big boy. He is a big boy. I got one other, and I'm sure you'll you'll say no to this because I wouldn't want to fight him either. Uh, David West. That seems like a guy. Like he was boxing even before. Was he? He's a boxer for a long time. Was he? Yeah, I didn't even know yeah. that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking guys that are that are that have like forty you know pounds on me. <laughs> And, and and probably a good six, seven, eight inches of reach advantage. You're you're an inside guy, Darren. Like you, you know, you went from being an well, outside we, guy we, in basketball. Okay, okay, here here's the thing: if boxing, probably no MMA, hundred percent, either one of them. Hmm. Oh yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you, you're clearly adept at that. <laughs> like, the, I've seen, I mean, I've seen athletes try to do MMA. I've seen boxers. I was at the James Tony fight years ago. Yeah, when he tried MMA, that that didn't go well. No, that's a no. That's a very different sport. Very different. <laughs> well, Darren, good luck, man. Uh, December eighteenth on Showtime pay per view. Darren Williams, Frank Gore, and I'm just gonna tell you, Darren, I, I don't think this is gonna be a one off for you. If you're successful, I think there's a, a multi fight thing that's gonna happen here. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that, but I don't know about that, buddy. Good to talk to you, man. All right, you too. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Darren Williams for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you download podcasts, and we'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.